The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Six after 10 o'clock, welcome to the second hour of the show. So uh, this past weekend, we had um, the funeral service of Aziz Pahad taking place, an anti-apartheid activist. And as we see most of these funerals, a lot of um, not only praise being heaped upon him, but also the legacy that he left behind. There were also those, of course, who were bemoaning the current state of affairs and who spoke to the legacy of Star Wars in particular that has not been upheld. To take a look at what transpired at that funeral. We're going to kick it off with the contributions of the uh, Gauteng Premier Banyaza Lisufi who said it's not who said that people should not only shower Pahad with praises but also learn from his contributions and take a leaf from his character, belief and teachings. Comrade Aziz, ours was to marvel at your dedication and hard work. Ours was to appreciate your humility and commitment to our cause. Ours was to appreciate the role you played to serve and service our people and the world. Even though you are leaving us with a huge task to match or exceed the good work that you have done within and with your generation. He played his part. Ours not only to shower him with praises, but to learn from his contributions to our cause. To take leave from his character, belief and teachings. While speaking outside the Pahad residence, close family friend Hanif Randera said that Pahad wasn't happy with the current state of the country. We always have conversations about the current state of... Uh, look, he wasn't a very happy man with the current state of affairs, but he was a loyal member of the ANC, and he always wanted to work within the structures of the ANC and get involved internally to resolve things. And I think that was always what he had to do. I, I do think there were times that we all criticized the situation. Obviously, all of us are concerned about what's going on in the country. And certainly, he was very, very concerned. Well, President Cyril Ramaphosa, who delivered the eulogy, also said that the sacrifices made by the stalwarts shouldn't be in vain. These stalwarts were once the strong roots that really held us together, and firmly so. Over the passage of time, new roots have grown and new shoots have also blossomed. We owe it to the generation that paved the way to freedom, to our democracy, not to let those roots wither and die. All right, so there were the reflections of President Ramaphosa. So having listened then to those clips, the question was, uh, we ask is, can the ANC still restore itself to the legacy of its stalwarts? Joining us for this conversation, we have Professor, Professor Lisiva Defo, who is a political analyst and research director at the Democracy and Governance Program at the University of South Africa. Raboni Dao is a political analyst and research fellow at the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation 
at the University of Johannesburg. And Solimuyeng is a brand reputation management advisor and MD of strategic corporate communications consultancy, Don Valley, also a columnist. They're all on the line. Good morning to all of the guests and thank you so much uh, for making time for us this morning. Professor Tefu, let's begin perhaps with you. The president talks about strong roots that have held us together. I think he's speaking as a movement, but in many ways also as a country. Where are we with the strong roots in terms of legacy maintaining is concerned? To what extent can we say that what we are is still very much influenced by those roots? Yeah, well, thanks, Cathy, and uh, to, to my colleagues and listeners. Third, third, third indeed. Talk is cheap, man. Talk is cheap. And uh, I was uh, fairly disappointed in what the president said, but it's a refrain that one has is accustomed to. They're talking about the legacy of the stalwarts. The stalwarts who are themselves, part of them, by the way, by the way, are the compradors, the trust and the charinas that brought us where we are. Let's, let's be clear about that. There was a group of elders, about 101, who bemoaned what was going on. Where they, where, where they listened to, perhaps even the Azizis and the Esops and there. Did not listen out of political expediency at the time. They are not as innocent as we portray them when they are at, when at, at death, if I may put it that way. It is in my culture. I'm native. We don't talk ill about the dead, but it is also that that is drawing us backward when we are not honest with ourselves. They made their contribution, but they also made mistakes that brought us where we are today. Raboni, let me bring you in. Where do you think we are in terms of the influence um, of these stalwarts of these men and women that, of course, over the years have not only learned so much, but have been such a great resource to this country? Uh, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to the panel and the listeners. Um, the Stalos having influence, I don't think that they have influence um, in the ANC. Um, and why I say this, you know, uh, last week after Aziz part um, passed on, when we had the news, I spoke to one of the Stalos and just as Prof. Defoe said, you know, that 101 um, ANC veterans who were around 2016, you know, started to want to engage with the ANC. And... I was reflecting on one of the things that they were adv- advocating for, which uh, even up to now, they still believe that to get it right within the ANC, you need to have a consultative conference. And the ANC, since its formation, it has two consul- it has a two consultative conferences, the one of uh, Morogoro and the one that was held in 1985 in Kwabe in Zambia. And unfortunately, the ANC leadership and all structures of the ANC have blue-tipped, you know, uh, the stalwarts of the ANC. Um, and, and this shows that um, that they don't have new influence. And one of the things that this stalwart said to me was like that there is no renewal in the ANC. 
uh, it's just a slogan because things remain the same and nothing has changed. I'll end there for now. Soli, let me come to you and also give you a chance to come in there. Of course, often, in particular in the context of, of the ANC and subsequently then the country, because there are various ways in which this is translated into into our uh, public life. You will see, um, you know, different individuals being honored, whether it's by statues, whether it's by renamings, etc. But the, all of those things, those are events, right? And when it comes down to it, there's more than just doing something in a moment that can speak to the extent to which you truly value a legacy. Do you feel that the legacy of those that, has, that have sacrificed so much for this country to be where it is, that that legacy is being respected? No, it's not. Hello, Kathleen, and to my fellow panelists, South Africans out there. No, it's not. Um, the thing is, we also have to, I think the professor was trying to say, let's question the, the contribution of the so-called stalwarts. Each time somebody else is going to die tomorrow, they're going to, they're going to call him or her stalwarts and they're going to talk, 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 going to start talk, talking about the contribution they made to, the, to where we are, where we're supposed to be. But there, there's nothing to show off it. I'm tired of people saying, oh, but there are some good people in the ANC, but the overall deliver of the ANC is terrible. It's been actually toxic for South Africa. I wish I were a speech writer, you know, those people who write all these fancy speeches for the politicians after somebody died. Uh, they must be making a lot of money. It means nothing for the South Africans and painfully we are the ones who are paying for these things. You don't believe that there has been any, any value at all to it, Soli? Well, the thing is, if we have 25 people in a room and then you want to talk about the values, as I okay. say, of course, South Africa is a free country now, but for a free country from apartheid at least, but it wasn't free by one bunch of people only. Okay. We know that some people went into exile, some people were into prison, they were in prison, there were all sorts of NGOs and other civil society movements that made up the the one, the erstwhile United Democratic Front, they were not all ANC people. The ANC has erected statues for ANC people. The ANC has basically, from the dawn of our democracy, behaved as if it owned the liberation of South Africa. Only the people who come from the ANC must have statues and roads and name built after the murder or at our expense. The ANC has betrayed all of us, so we can't, we don't, we can't, we don't, we can't anymore emotionally co-own what the ANC claims to own. It, that we pay for, that we're being made to go for, to pay for. Look at the state of South Africa today. Look at the state of South African institutions today. There is nothing to be proud of. So, what is it really? What, what contribution are we talking about? So, um, Professor Tefo, I, I want to bring you in here again, and and perhaps just to pick up on on this point that that Soli has made because it really is an important one. The the more that we go sort of deeper into our democracy the more we see this contestation, right, over who are leaders that that should and shouldn't be celebrated. Why should those leaders be celebrated? What is their true contribution? Do you think that we will be able to build as a country and to agree as a country on who, you know, you go to the U.S., there's very little dispute among Americans about who the founding fathers of the U.S. are. You know, you'll have libraries and monuments and all sorts of other things. We don't seem to have consensus like that in a country like South Africa. Yeah, let me just make this footnote. 
I don't hear my my the other panelists when they speak, so I I may be disadvantaged. But I hear the question that you are raising. Look, the, um, who is to be celebrated or not? This is a problem we have where we don't have a national identity to which we all subscribe without a political persuasion, creed, or color. <laughs> For now, it looks like the only people to be celebrated are those who are wearing the colors of the African National Congress. And that's what makes it difficult that you can have a national a consciousness that speaks to one nation. You listen to my leaders, wherever they speak, they use a divisive language, polarizing language. Who was the longest serving political prisoner in South Africa? I dare them out there. How much is he being celebrated, Jeff Matemola? Unless we are that honest, then we shall celebrate <clears throat> people with checkered backgrounds, whose, when evidence is adduced, we realize they were not worth the celebration that we ought to do. But let me just take a little thought and, and, and pause. When are we going to stop this type of celebration where so much money is spent when people are suffering out there? There was Billy, the man of protocol in Vegas office. There, there was Uini, um, Madigzala Mandela, and there was Kweya. The, the, the burial of these three cost over 70 million rand. Over 70 million rand. Really? In a poor country like us. The so-called uh, state funerals, I, 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 I suggest, let's revisit that. The, the, the time for that has come to pass. If we do it, let's do it, but let no state money be involved. Let there be pomp and ceremony to the extent possible. A lot of money is being wasted, and some of the people really are not worthy, and most of them have the means and the resources to do it for themselves and by their families, and even by their own organization. These are the things that contribute to the tension and the failure of national identity and respecting the national flag as a rallying point. All right, quite a bit that, that, that you've put out there, Professor Defoe. And I, I want to explore that further because there has been such contestation, again, over how we go about marking the, the contributions of, of these individuals. So do we not need to separate sort of what these contributions have been versus just seeing them through the lens of a particular political organization? That, uh, that, that's to Professor Defo. So, so sorry to, to the other panelists. That's to Professor Defo. Oh, that, that's for me. Yes. That's the question is, should we look at this through the lens of one political party? No, no, no. I'm saying that should we not separate the contributions of these individuals and not necessarily see their contributions only through the lens of, of, of the ANC? So let's take somebody like Ahmed Kathrada, um, who, yes, was an ANC stalwart, but very much had a presence um, including outside of the organization, which is why you will still have the Ahmed Kathrada Foundation continue to do work today, independent of, of, of the ANC. Agreed. 
Agreed. This is the question you and I must direct at the leadership. They must make an introspection and say, why are the people so angry and alienated from us? Why is the celebration that we do, that even some members of the family shun them, they don't even want to be associated with, though they are the diehards, the stalwarts. Remember, there are also stalwarts whose families or the stalwarts who said, we no longer want any association with the ruling party. Simply because we have individualized or arrogated, right, political power or liberation to one political power, uh, party. The ANC made its contribution, but it was not the only one. If anything, mm -hmm. I put more premium, a greater premium on the UDF than on the ANC. But that said, we talk about the stalwarts and the things that they have done, but I saw a feel them even in their lifetime. Go to Mamelodi and look at the so-called Solomon Mahangu precinct. It pains me because I, I come from that part of the world and I know how many millions were spent. Go to Brantford and look at that house that was supposed millions were spent on of Winnie Madigizela Mandela. And you still want to celebrate it and name the streets after her while you failed her while she was still alive. And, and Raboni, that's something that we can't run away from, right? That many of the families, again, of these individuals that have contributed so much to the country in terms of the sacrifices they made against the anti-apartheid movement, that often, regardless of whether they are in the ANC or outside of the ANC, they seem to have the same complaint that their recognition, their contribution is not being fully appreciated and oftentimes feel sidelined. You know, Kate, I think the biggest um, problem um, is that the ANC, for example, spoke about a rainbow nation. Um, and, but when you look at their actions, the leadership, you know, in which I agree with Prof. Therefore, they are so inward-looking in, in terms of um, very selective, you know, and I think as a nation, we need to have a, a constructive discussion, you know, on even the legacies, which ones do we celebrate, which stalwarts do we celebrate, so that we move together as a nation because we seem to be pulling different directions. And it's because the center is not holding with the ruling party. Um, they seem not to know whether they're coming or going and um, contradicting some of the things that they said in the early 90s, if you, if you look at what is happening currently. This issue around needing to have consensus over these, these legacies, which legacies are the ones that we feel fully represent South Africa? That to me is something that should happen outside of um, political party, sort of one political party, but very difficult, I think, to do so if you're having it, let's say, on the part of government, when government is led by the ANC. How do you have a process like that and still find that the, the, the solution or the outcome of that process is credible under the current um, state of affairs? I think for me, one thing I always say, there was a deliberate effort by the ANC in the 90s to destroy civil society groups. I mean, um, as I think uh, the Soli said, you know, about the role that was played by uh, different civil society groups, you know, um, fighting the apartheid system. And that's why 
during the Zuma eras, you know, um, a lot of things like civil society or people started standing up is because that deliberate effort to kill the civil society. And I think the civil society could have been the one, you know, to lead such an initiative and churches, you know, to say, okay, this is where we are as a nation post-apartheid, but there was a deliberate effort to move them away from the political space, from dealing with engaging on issues that affect us as a nation on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's why so much damage was damage took place for so many years. And it was and 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 now it is very difficult for us to even move forward and um even to get it right. You know, I mean President Ramaphosa is about to finish his first term and the, things are just worse probably more than under the era of Jacob Zuma. Soli, on the question of, of legacies, I mean, can we truly sort of go somewhere and, and build a credible future for ourselves when we, we are so unsettled about our history, when we don't have agreement about our history? That really is the foundation to any kind of future that we want to build. Everything that was supposed to happen was supposed to start happening about 30 years ago at the dawn of a democracy. We were too excited about, including myself, including about these people who came back from exile, from prison. I was excited when I first saw Umkudu with these people march at the, at the FNB stadium in Johannesburg. I was like, wow, we are safe now. We thought we had a government for the people, by the, by the people, that's what we said and too much power is given into the presidency, to the ANC, too much blind trust. A lot of civil society angels who were active on the ground thought, hey, we don't need to do this anymore. We have the, our own people who are going to take care of us. All of that is gone. There is no way that South Africa is going to heal. There's no way that South Africa is going to start having the conversations that it must have, that Raboni has just referred to, while the ANC runs the show. The people of South Africa need to liberate South Africa again, this time from the ANC. Otherwise, we're going to have this conversation again next year and the year after and the year after. The ANC has become blind, deaf. They still, even as we speak, they do not care. They make decisions as if South Africa belongs to them. We we cannot. We're not going to heal. We're not going to institutionally recover. It's not about. It's no longer about replacing. X with Mary or Mary with Jane, Jane with Solly. It's about looking at the institutional uh, weaknesses, strengthening the, the checks and balances, looking at too much power, for instance, giving into the presidency. People are not asking us themselves, for instance, a question. Why is it that, say, the Zona Commission report is given to the president of the party, which, which is a most implicated in what happened in South Africa. They're not asking ourselves, why does the SURSIE, the independent unit, having to get a so-called presidential decree to investigate a crime? The president should have nothing to do with that. So we need to look at South Africa structurally from the beginning and then have these conversations about legacies. We need to stop thinking that people have got to have names and of statues and streets and buildings named after them. We need to change all of that it's not going to change all the ANC runs the show because it doesn't care that's the truth so how do we begin to truly then ensure that these legacies are not lost because you know without this history 
so much of of who we are becomes distorted so much of where we come from becomes distorted and and we've seen solely just how quickly that can happen especially in the age of of social media sure uh, the thing is history doesn't write itself right it's written by somebody i think you've had you know independent impartial academics who look who study researchers and like the prof here we have on the prof on the on the panel writing the history as it is then we probably will start getting somewhere. But right now, if your history is determined by politicians, if politicians determine who's going to be the heads of different universities, who gets hired or fired, where, what kind of books, curriculum, then we're not going to get out of it. So we need to start a process to separate political influence over things that shouldn't have so much political influence. Uh, otherwise, it's going to continue being this way. We can't give the same power we have given to the ANC tomorrow to somebody else if we have we are to recover. You know, it's almost like church and state. Of course, when a political party wins elections, there will be a level of its policies that come in. That's nobody can deny that. But we still need to have, for instance, a civil society that's totally independent. The, the, the professors and the academia that must be totally independent from political influence. We don't have that. The NC has basically pushed its tentacles in every nook and every corner of South Africa, including civil uh, foreign service. All our embassies, our missions overseas are being held by people, many of whom don't deserve to be there, but because they are the child of so-and-so in the so-called struggle and they are hurting us, they don't represent the country that we all aspire to be. We have to, to almost start from scratch. All right. We're going to continue the conversation in a moment. I'll also take your contributions. I must say, some of the views coming out completely unexpected in terms of where I thought this conversation would go. Are we there yet? Where even what we talk about, the legacies of our stalwarts, is something to be questioned, is something that we should not, it's something that we generally don't have con consensus around. And because of that, then we can't truly say that these are legacies that represent us as a people. Is that how deep our problems run? I'll take some of your contributions on 86 It's time for your latest headlines.